This is the OSAT Pathway Podcast, where three generations of one family discuss the one step at a time pathway to success and fulfillment. Joining us, our recent college graduate, Donnell Davidian. Donnell's grandfather, real estate developer, Burl Gann. Burl's son, human resources manager, Matt Gann. Burl's daughter, medical sales and training manager, Lisa LeClaire. Your level of preparedness is your default. Learn how to go beyond that default and elevate your preparedness in order to be successful. Just showing up isn't enough. Learn why anticipating what will need to be done is a critical skill. Job interviews. How to separate yourself from the pack. Being better, faster, quicker, and stronger. Get real tips on how to get that job. We discussed having a team player mindset. Ask the question that few people ever ask. How you can add value to your employer. And why a fancy degree doesn't necessarily equal a job. Here's episode number five on the OSAT pathway. The item that we're going to discuss today is going to be being prepared. And it is an absolute critical position to be in because of whatever you do in this life and go out and interact, uh, you have to have some sort of preparedness. Now, most people uh, adapt a uh, level of preparedness which they think is uh, sufficient enough to function in the world. If you want to generate and create wealth, uh, there's a fallacy to being uh, not prepared enough. So the task is to evaluate your position, where you're going to be, how you're going to uh, affect other people. And I have an example for you. Uh, I used to work for a man um, who was one of my mentors. And uh, the way he went about uh, uh, creating wealth was he would, fem, fin, fin, he would form limited partnerships and gather 10 people together, and each one of them would put up a certain amount of money so he could go out and invest in real estate. And one of the things I learned from him was uh, when he got together at the meetings with these, P, these 10 individuals, he wasn't the smartest guy in the room, but he knew more than anybody else about the subject matter that they were going to discuss. And he knew backgrounds of most of the individuals that were sitting there. He knew how to interact with them, to explain to them how each one of these issues were going to be addressed. So he was prepared for action um, at any level that he was in in that meeting. So in the search for success... Uh, it's a, it's very, very important to elevate your preparedness so that you can diminish the insecurities that you may carry along with you. <laughs> and that is, that's a critical situation. The worst position you could be in 
is get into a meeting and not be prepared and not willing to say something like, I don't know if someone asks you a question. And that I don't know is a critical question you have to answer to. If you don't know, you cannot fake it. Uh, you may for a while, but it's not going to last. You have to know it or you don't know it, and you have to declare that right up front. So being prepared, what I got out of talking to my grandpa about this was the devil is in the details, and the details are reading and writing the fine print. And um, I really liked this topic, being prepared, because I'm one of those people that just stresses if I'm not prepared. And I'm like, if I'm not on time to somewhere, I will just leave. I won't even show up late. I'm like, I'm not even going to go because I want to be on time. But um, something that stuck out to me with talking with Lisa was to go above and beyond and always prepare. Never underestimate putting in the extra time. And it is something that really does set you apart from the rest of the pack. And um, I really like that because it's kind of simple when you think about it. When you're in a job, if you come two hours before everyone and you leave two hours after everyone, you stand out so much and it's really not that much effort you have to put in. It's just people want to do the bare minimum. No one wants to go above and beyond and put that extra time in to stand out. And so being prepared is something that's really simple when you think about it, but no one wants to do it. And so um, something that also stuck out to me, Matt, your whiteboard story. I loved that with being prepared. It was something about you were doing a presentation and you didn't know if you're going to be able to have visual aids or something. And so you went ahead and just did all of it before to prepare. And I really liked that story. I was like, wow, he did go above and beyond for sure with that. Yeah. So you, you, you teed up my story. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll go ahead and take this one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my, my perspective of being prepared goes back to um, early in my career. This is, um, Right around the turn of the century, if you can say that nowadays. So around 2000, and I uh, I'd been in the Air Force Reserves, and and I have a couple of stories here, but but since you teed this one up, and I was in a six month intelligence analysis school down in San Angelo, Texas, and uh, we were learning to give intelligence briefings on on various weapon systems and fighters and that kind of thing, and um yeah, and and I didn't know if um there was a certain technique that that I was that was part of my presentation. It was very complicated to verbally express, and it really kind of required sort of a graphic representation. But we didn't have PowerPoint. We didn't have, you know, anything. It was just stand up and deliver. And so I went in before class started, and, and the whiteboards, well, audience can't see what I'm doing here, but the whiteboards, um, they, they moved laterally, left and right. And so you had like a, you could, you could change an array. And if you close the whiteboards all together, the center of the room was blocked off, and there was a whiteboard behind the whiteboard. So I went in and I, I visually drew in red and blue markers what it is I wanted to illustrate, thinking that, you know, if I never ask, I just, at launch, I go and I erase it. And, um, but something told me that this is a question that someone's going to want to explain. The instructor, you know, they're going to want to know what this is about. So um, when I got to that point, of course, the instructor, you know, asked, well, explain this, this technique to me. And I just turned around and I opened up the whiteboard. And there it was, and I could visually explain it. And, um, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't a gotcha. That was, I, I anticipated what my client, my audience, my employer, whoever it was, you know, was, was potentially going to have difficulty understanding. And, uh, and that's knowing your content. And so, yeah, I prepared, I prepared for that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, the, that's the story. But I'm going to kick it over to, to Lisa because I'm sure Lisa has some, 
some insight on being prepared <laughs> uh, for a career. I do. And, you know, what comes to mind when we talk about being prepared is when I first got out of college, you know, I can identify where Danelle is and millions of other kids. And, and I, I was fortunate enough to be, um, to get my first job out of college and, and be surrounded by very talented people who mentored me and coached me. And one of the things that was important at that time was um, preparing for your sales calls. And they even, um, prior to that, uh, I had met someone who coached me on being prepared for an interview with a company. And one of the things that was important is to really research the company you wanted to work for and find out what their mission statement was and find out what what their growth objectives were. Find out how many employees know more about that company than anybody else that's going to that interview. Um, because I learned early on that the sooner you can separate yourself from the pack, the better off you'll be. And it wasn't necessarily a competitiveness for me. I just identified early on that it wasn't that difficult to separate myself from the pack. Um, by doing these little things, getting there an hour early, staying an hour late, because right out of college, I knew that I was behind the eight ball uh, in a seasoned sales uh, organization that I had some catching up to do. And I, I wanted to fast track and learn as much as possible. So, you know, being open to that is part of being prepared. Um, but really identifying how can I prepare for whether it's a job interview uh, or a project you're working on, um, going above and beyond is is critical. Do you have any advice for young women, kind of how you were giving me advice about going into the business world? Because in a sense, it is a man's world. And um, I, I would disagree. But. I would too. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I just think that sometimes um, that is something that yeah. we need to look into. You know, You're absolutely you- right. And, and I'm not going to date myself, but this was a few <laughs> years ago when, you know, um, there weren't a whole lot of women in sales. Pe- in, mm-hmm. in sales. Um, and... You know, I'm glad you asked that question because what I realized early on is I had to be better, faster, stronger, quicker mm-hmm. than my uh, counterparts. Um, and I don't want to say it was because I, I was a woman. I just want to say that that's what's required yeah. in life, in in a career, if you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I was always competitive with myself. I, I mean, I played sports, so I had a competitive mm-hmm. spirit. But it wasn't like I'd look at the leaderboard and, you know, oh my gosh, I've got to do this. It was like, what did I do last month? And how can I do better this time? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever it is. And nowadays, if it's a project that I'm working on um, with the hospital, you know, that's what can we do to improve this? What can I do to improve you know, the outcome mm-hmm. of whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish. And so better, faster, quicker, stronger, um, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, mm-hmm. that should be your mindset. Yeah. Um, and you're right, because a lot of people naturally just show up and thinking that's enough. Um, and yeah, that's half of it, being there on time. Mm-hmm. But being prepared is something that is going to separate you from the pack. And I remember being in interviews and I, and I, and I was young, right? (laughs) 
right out of college. And I remember um, I had my mission statement for the company I was interviewing for. I knew how many employees and I, you know, I said, you know, I, I've read your mission statement and it really aligns with my professional goals. Um, and I'm looking back, I'm going, where did I get this stuff? Right. Mm-hmm. But it, somewhere along the way, it just made sense for me. And the manager that was interviewing me, he looks at me and he goes, wow, you know more about my company than I do. <laughs> and I was like, well, does that mean I got the job? <laughs> um, so I can't stress the, that enough for, for young people starting out, especially job interviews. Mm-hmm. I mean, research who you're uh, interviewing with, you know, mm-hmm. as much about that company and much about their product. And then later in life, um, you know, after about 10 years of being in corporate America, I, or 10, 11 years, I made a shift to another company and I took it even a step further. So not only did I research the company and everything about them, I called their customers Wow. And I said, I'm looking to go to work for this company that you do business with. And I want to know your thoughts about them. I want to know your thoughts about their product. Because again, I'm in sales. I'm going to be selling this product. The company I'm interviewing with is telling me how wonderful everything is, right? Of course. I want to know what their customers think. Mm -hmm. Because those are the people I'm dealing with. And they were always taken back, but always responsive, and would would give me the good, the bad, and the ugly. So when I went into the interview, I already knew the good, the bad, and the ugly. There was nothing they were going to surprise me with. Um, so that's the level of preparedness that I've had to rely on to be better, quicker, faster, and stronger. Lisa, that was excellent. Well, I have. I mean, that was excellent. Well, thank you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I learned from the best. I got to say. I mean. <laughs> Well, and 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 I'm going to piggyback on what what Dad said and and pull at that thread a little bit. I think the lesson that I learned, and I, I mentioned this in the previous session about I've never been the smartest person in the room, was from your mentorship at the dinner table, growing up about being prepared. I mean these these topics that we're discussing didn't just come up, you know, out of the blue. Like they've been around and they've been they've been maturing and developing. Um, and yeah, I think that's where where I, where I got that that notion. I don't. I, you can't control how smart you are in the room, but you can always be prepared. And um, I, I have a couple of examples. I think going back to when I really started applying that, um, you know, I mentioned I, w- I was in the school down in Texas, and about three weeks after school completed, nine eleven happened, and um, I went to the active duty Air Force, and I ended up in Georgia supporting combat rescue operations and I deployed over into Pakistan and during Operation During Freedom. And my job there was to give daily briefings and threat briefings and mission briefings to flight crews that are flying into Afghanistan into literally enemy territory to bring back the other troops who need medevac or have been shot down or something. And um, to your point that they had very, very highly attuned bullshit detectors. (laughs) And I'm telling them where they need to go, where they need to fly, what they need to do. You know, I'm giving all the information that you would that an intelligence analyst would give a flight crew that's going into denied territory. And if I didn't have the answer, the answer was I don't know, but I'll find out for you in the next 30 minutes. It was not, well, let me make something up, let me because their level of trust for what I tell them is the difference between them going home to their families in a few weeks or them not going home at all. And so when you really take that level preparedness 
and that trust and those relationships to the next level. That's that's like the that's like the pinnacle of it. You don't get much more trust than that. And you have to know your content. And if you fall short and don't know it, that's that's OK. You're not going to know everything. But the key is to say, I don't know. And know where to go to get it. And know where to go to get it. Exactly. Um, and then you prepare for that next time. And, you know, Lisa, I, I appreciate your your story. And I think that um, I can add on because my I, you know, it takes sometimes so little effort to be prepared. <laughs> it's and, true. And I don't mean that in a diminishing way of being prepared. It's just it's not doesn't have to be insurmountable. And um, I think about when I apply for positions in the organization and, and jobs, something as simple as calling up the outgoing person in the position, the incumbent. And just saying, hey, do you have 10 minutes to talk about the job? Just like you calling the customers. It doesn't cost you anything except a little bit of time. Buy them a cup of coffee. It's $2.11 or something. And uh, and asking them about the organization, just talking to people. Um, and I, when I got promoted back in Tampa back in, what is that, 2012, I did that. I called the guy up. He's retiring. And I said, hey, I'd like to know more about the job. And and so we spoke about five minutes. And I went ahead and applied. And then I got the interview. And I called him up again. I said, hey, I'd like to know more about the dynamics of the job and what the challenges are and what the projects you're working on. And we sat and talked about 20 minutes. And I found this at months and months after I was placed in the position, I found out um, that there were about 40 people applied for that job. Not one other person did that. Nobody reached out to the guy. Nobody. I was the only one. And I, I got the job. I don't know if that's why, but, but of 40 some people, no one thought to, Hey, let me give this guy a phone call and just say, Hey, tell me about it. Um, and it didn't take that much time for me to do that. Absolutely not. And, you know, in the world today, you could get information on a company in about three seconds on the Internet. Mm-hmm. I had to go to Dun and Bradstreet books. <laughs> you know, I had to go to the library. I had to do all this legwork. And, you know, it it literally doesn't take a whole lot of time. And you would be surprised at how quickly you'll be recognized if you just separate yourself from a pack from the pack, but do it in a positive way. You know, do it in a positive way. You don't want to do it at all costs and take people out in the process. You know, you want to do it in a positive way and focus on, you know, how can I excel at this and, you know, move move my career forward if that's what you want to do or get the job that I want um, and do it in a positive way. And, and, and you will be surprised at the results. Appreciative inquiry, as yes. I like to call it, appreciative yes. inquiry. Looking at something as, as from a positive light of how can I learn more about this and then evaluate. Because you may have found that the story the company told was not what the clients were saying. You know, you could have, I you know. D- well, yeah. And uh, the customer's very upfront. And we were, the company I was looking to interview with was going through a challenging experience with a particular product. And this customer was very clear with me. So when I went into the interview and they asked me all the difficult questions and do you have any questions for us? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, can you tell me about, (laughs) you know, what's going on with this particular product line? I spoke to one of our customers and it seems to be a challenge and I just want to see how the, what the company's doing about it. And this was a panel interview and, and, and I, I got these looks like, Oh no! What do we do now? <laughs> right. Well, and why does she know about this? And and you know why you got the look is because nine and a half times out of ten, the questions that an interviewee will say are, "When can I start? How much can I get paid? How much time off do you give me? 
What is your telework policy? It's all about it's me, 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 me. <laughs> You're like, I'm digging up the dirt right now. Well, and, and I, yeah, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm looking for a career. I'm not looking for a job. If yeah. I were looking for a job, I would have had those questions. How much are you going to pay me? What are the hours? I'm looking for a career. I don't want to bounce around from company to company. So I want to know up front what I'm getting into. Because if I can if I can overcome that, if I can find a way to overcome that, then, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing you can throw at me that's mm-hmm. going to throw, you know, derail me yeah. and make me leave. Um, so you got to know, you got to know your, you got to know what you're walking into as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't. Don't be afraid to ask those tough questions in interviews and do your research because you want to know if you're looking for a career, you want to know up front what the ugly is mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you can determine if that's something you want to take on. Those are some of the issues that needed to be included in your mindset when you get started. Absolutely. Very critical about like if you're into an interview, the message you want to give him is not what the company can do for you, it's what you can do for the company, how mm-hmm. you are going to be a team player, mm-hmm. how you're going to function, uh, how willing you are to do things that you're called upon to do. Those are the thoughts that you should have, and that's how you should portray it to the interviewer. Mm-hmm. And then that carries a day. It's just that simple. I, yeah, I think it boils down to adding value. Yes, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's about adding value. And too many people don't look at it as what I can contribute, what value I can add. They look at it as what can you give me. And that is a very different mindset. Yeah, yeah, it's a complete, it's the opposite mindset. That's why, that's why I started with the mindset, because once you create the correct mindset, creating wealth is not easy until you make it simple. Yeah, and it goes back to being part of the solution and not part of the problem. And I've actually had conversations with people where I'm like, if you can't be part of the solution, then just get out of my way. (laughs) You're wasting my time. Yeah, because I am looking for solutions here. I'm not going to get caught up in the problems. I have a short story about uh, my brother. So I'm 24 and he's 21 and I went to college and he didn't. And so he's a little self-conscious about jobs because he's like, you know, I don't have that degree. I don't have that experience. But what I was really proud of him for was, and it's something so simple, before his job interview, he YouTubed what to expect in a job interview. And I thought, well, why would have never thought of doing that because you would think, oh, you know, I'm just going to go in, be prepared, you know, but that was his way of being prepared. And he aced the interview, you know, and he didn't have a college degree. He didn't have all this experience, but he did the work before. He said, what can I control? What can I do right now to get prepared? And just as a young person, I think people don't, they shouldn't get discouraged if they don't have that degree. They don't have that experience. They don't have whatever it is. Be yourself, be prepared, do your research. No one's going to do it for you. So if you can go out, put yourself there, people are going to respect that. They're going to go, wow, this person showed up to the table knowing they don't have a lot to offer, but they're here and they're confident. What a great example of going above and beyond to overcome an insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't let it stop him. Nope. He's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just YouTube it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. That's a great way to look he, at it. He took the steps necessary to mm-hmm. feel confident going in because yep. now he knows what to expect. Mm-hmm. So he probably was ahead of the game oh, yeah. over the college graduates mm-hmm. because he felt he needed to separate himself from the pack and feel confident. I want to share something with you. Uh, when I um, graduated from high school, I felt that, uh, you know, everyone was saying, well, you got to go to college and you got to get an education. You got to do this and you got to do that. And so I enrolled in a JC there locally, went to a, to a couple of semesters, 
And my realization was, you know, this is, this isn't for me. I'm not. Uh, they're they're not really teaching me anything um, that I need to know to function out there in this real world. So I left and uh, went on the street and obtained a job and learned real on early on what I had to do to get along first, to be a team player second. And to be nice to everyone so that they would be nice to you and they would help you do what you needed to do. And all along my career, um, I felt a little apprehensive about the fact that I only had two semesters of college. At this point in time, I boast about the fact that I only had <laughs> two semesters of college because I was never asked under one, in any, any time of circumstances, well, do you have any education? I was never asked in any job that I applied for. So my interpretation of the higher educational system is sometimes it limits your ability to have the freedom to think for yourself and be yourself and function out there in the real world the way it really is because they feel entitled. What they do is they go out and they get this four-year educational and they got a degree. They've been told throughout their lifetime. If you get a degree, you can get a job. That is a misunderstanding of the entire society. That is not the case. You have to go the extra step. You have to understand how the system works. You have to be prepared. So all those things are real simple, but they forget that. They think that they have this degree, that's all they have to do, and that is incorrect. That's why they're lost. That's why Danil contacted me to help her function in the world. And these simple steps in this pathway will do that for you if you follow them. Well, and I'll take from someone who's got, I'm not going to riddle off my degrees, but I'm wrapping up my <laughs> second master's now. None of this content has been covered in the 12 years of college, whatever it is that I've had throughout the years. They, there's no class that sits down and covers any of these topics. It, it it's it's all theoretical. It and and I can't say it doesn't have value at all. I've learned a lot, but it doesn't take you where you need to go. The this kind of information, what we're discussing here, these are the cornerstones of how you would apply any knowledge. Well, I feel like in school they just tell you go out and figure out what your passion is, and then do that. And it's like, well, what if what I want to do doesn't make any money? What if what I want to do ha does not pay my bills? How do I live? You know, it's like that. That's what needs to be told. Find what you want to do, and then does it make enough money for you to live that lifestyle that you want to live? The pathway has an answer to that, and it will come at the end of the session. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the OSAT Pathway. Thank you to our podcast guests, Danelle Davidian, Burl Gann, Matt Gann, and Lisa LeClaire. I'm Gail Force, producer of this podcast. Executive producer is Matt Gann. Editing by Josh Collins. Audio engineer is Soren Richenberg. Additional support by James Davis. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. If you'd like to contact us or for a transcript of this show, go to osatpathway.com. That's osatpathway.com. <laughs>